Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really, really a big pleasure because I have Zecho Dobrev together with me. Hi, Zecho. How are you? Hi, Gregorio. Thank you. I'm very good. I'm, I'm very happy to be with you and as a football fan, <laughs> I'm super excited. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we are going to discuss about the big miss. I, we will explain what is exactly it, but you wrote an outstanding book and I think it's really important very to great. share that. For the people watching the video, uh, Zecho showed uh, the book. And for the others listening to the podcast, you will find all the information related to this book in the show notes. And it's really worth it to buy it. But I think it's let's deep dive into the topic and then you can really evaluate if it makes sense. I am sure it's worth it. Before we start discussing about the book, um, Zecho, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. So, um... I I've really dedicated my almost whole professional career to uh, to customer experience. I started in 2009 first as analyst and then consultant, senior consultant, principal consultant, and so on with um, a company called Beyond Philosophy, which is one of the first solely dedicated um, to customer experience consultancies. Um, and yeah, 13 years down the road, there've been a lot of projects, a lot of. Uh, uh, um, a lot of programs um, and um, and then I, I thought now it's a good time to write everything in a book I think that totally makes sense thank you very much for sharing that and also for transparency reason um, Colin Show was on my episode 100 and now it's time to discuss about the book and I really like to have this continuously connection with different companies mm-hmm. seeing the different views also coming from uh, from from the same from the same company sure. perhaps before we start discussing into uh, discussing about your book which values drive you in life mm. well um, I found an interesting part, um, an interesting piece in a, in a book, um, I think it was by Dan and Chip Heat called Defining Moments. And they talk about a research from Professor Harry Rees, um, who was looking at, at the different literature for, um, for personal relationships. And, and there was something very interesting there. So, um, and what and he was looking for this like well what makes some some personal relationship with your loved ones um, endure while others fail, and he called the thing um, uh, perceived partner responsiveness. So um, so essentially it comes down to this: do we perceive that our partner, our loved ones are um, responsive to us? And responsiveness was coming down to three things: um, understanding. Um, uh, so understanding our beliefs, uh, values, and so on. Um, uh, understanding, hold on, I had them. Uh, uh, validation, so kind of like uh, being, uh, 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 you know, showing that, that we really care for this person. The last one was caring, um, and and I think those are. When I did my research for the book, and I guess we, we talk about that, we found very much the same things are are. are the drivers of customer experience. So essentially, 
what makes our personal relationships endure are the same things, uh, pretty much the same things that make uh, customer relationships endure. So I think uh, those universal things being responsive to our partners, showing that we understand them uh, and that we care for them, are this is these are some universal truths. Thank you, and I think that's that's totally makes sense. And basically, perhaps also to introduce the book, the big miss our organization overlooked the value of emotions. Uh, where does the idea of writing such a book come from? <laughs> well, that's funny actually. So uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was literally staying outside on the on the porch, and uh, you know, we're consultants, so um, all our projects were briefly stopped until the organizations figure out how to work remotely and, and things like that, the important stuff. And and then I was sitting out and thinking, and and as you mentioned, Colin's been on your show. He always told that we are sitting on this gold mine, that we, over these 13 years um, that I've been in the company and before that, we've gathered this large database where we have data about the aspects of the experience, data about customer emotions, and data about customer attitudes and behavior towards organization, like likelihood to recommend, likelihood to purchase again, and, and things like that. And... And we always thought how to analyze it, but it was like so big that we never could get our heads around how to go about that. And then when COVID hit and I was sitting outside, one thing I was thinking is like, I think that organizations, everyone pretty much does journey mapping, but I think most people are doing journey mapping a little bit wrong or they're missing a big trick. You see, like most organizations, I thought like looking and, and we've done this journey mapping with lots of organizations. We've been doing pretty much like this. So we have the, the purchasing experience and the servicing experience. So the infinity uh, life cycle. So you have you start with the brand, then awareness, purchasing experience, getting on board, um, using the product or service, uh, billing and payment. You get some communications, emails from organizations. You call their contact center or customer support um, and, 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 and things like that. And so most organizations, I think, and again, we've been doing this, are focusing on like, what is the customer doing? Like first step, second step, third step. Da, 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 da. And so I thought, well, I think we have data for, uh, to, uh, about aspects that fit in all those uh, journey, point, journey touch point categories. So which of those journey touchpoint categories is actually the most important? And how do customer relationships fare against those things? You see, because I think one of the tricks that people are missing is like they're focusing on what the customer is doing and not like, well, let's look at this journey and what can we do in the different moments to create this feeling of a, of a relationship? Because I felt that most organizations are overlooking this. For example, one example, I was talking with customers of a bank and a customer said, oh, I've been with this bank for 12 years. How could I go to this other bank and ask for loan there? And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, this customer is feeling a relationship, but how does the bank, how does the bank, does the bank show any kind of the day feel this, this sort of relationship with this customer? So, so that, that was one of the part of my thinking at the beginning. So then I did the, the research and said to Colin, well, let's do a, a white paper. And he said, well, you've, you've written so much. Why don't you write a book? And then we wrote the book. <laughs> 
I think that was a great idea from Colin writing a book because um, research paper, it's it's a good, but not a lot of people would read that. And now it's your book. It's out for everybody to read that. And why did you decide to, to, to write about emotions? Yes. Well, because, again, the research showed that actually emotions. So um, I told you that first I was thinking about the relationships. Um, and we had this touch point about customer relationship that included some emotions like uh, like um, feeling cared for as a person. This organization is trustworthy, responsive, respects me, and, uh, and other things. And we had a traditional touch point. And, and what we found is that actually this um, the, the this emotional attachment, as we call it, the feeling of relationship and those other emotional aspects, is the biggest driver of value compared to the traditional touch points like product brand, advertising, communications, customer service, and, and so on. Um, and again, this confirmed something that we have found with lots of other organizations. But the reason I call I wrote about emotion and called it the big miss is is because organizations, by and large, they don't focus on the emotions. They don't do research on emotions. They don't have a strategy around emotions. By and large, they don't trade train people how to evoke specific emotions. And in my 13 years as, as a consultant, there's been pretty much only like one organization that we walked in and they showed us their research and say, we found that these are, are the key emotions in our experience and we are measuring those. Yeah, there was one or two other organizations that are measuring something like customer relationships, some interesting ways to measure customer relationships. Uh, and so on, but like of all these organizations, there's been like one or two organizations that haven't worked with us that is measuring emotions. And that's why I think it's a big miss because it's the biggest driver of value and yet people don't have a strategy uh, and, and don't know how to really approach that as a, um, you know, w w as a science and a strategy. Uh, what you said earlier, it's you have evaluated a, a lot of data that you have um, created throughout the years at Beyond Philosophy. And if I understand well, you have an approach or a discipline that you define um, the emotional signature. What is this? What, what is exactly? Sure. Well, um, so basically, th this is our customer research tool, Quantitative, that we find what really drives value. So the difference between, and we can distinguish between what people say they want and what actually drives value. And some of the unique things there is like, A, we take emotions into account. And, and again, our research shows if you don't take emotions into account, for one thing, you don't get the real picture of the real world because we know customers have emotions. And two, essentially, you're missing like 50% of the picture. So you are allocating uh, resources to, to things that may be not, not as um, uh, important value drivers. Um, and then the second thing is we can find uh, there's, like we say, a big difference between what people say they want and what actually drives value. So let me give you some examples. We did research with patients of, um, in, in Houston, actually, with the hospital system there. And patient would say, we want to spend more time with the doctor. Okay. Now, if, you, if you're the customer experience manager, you go to the CFO and say, hey, <laughs> uh, finance, Mr. Finance guy, <laughs> we need to employ more doctors or, or, or increase the time people spend with the doctor. You probably lose your job either that, <laughs> on that same meeting or a few months later because Actually, that doesn't increase customer satisfaction at all. What we found is people don't want more 
mean time with the doctor, but more quality time. So instead of the doctor spending the time, you know, filling sheets on the computer and things like that, they want to feel, listen to them, acknowledge their concerns, show that they try to get to know to them as person, staff anticipate their needs, respect them, respect their time, things like that. So it was about the quality of the time, not more time. Similar things with uh, customers of um, large worldwide famous charge card, uh, particularly with the premium customers, they would say, we want this card to be more accepted. Okay, it makes sense because if the card is not accepted in stores, it's, it's not very useful, is it? But what we found is those people have been their customer for 20, 25 years. I literally interviewed people. And every now they would say, oh, but we don't want them to book us in a nice restaurant. We want them to tell us which, is, which are the trendy restaurants in Barcelona and book us a table with, to the, in the balcony or with a good view, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so reading between the lines in our research showed that essentially it's the feeling of prestige that drives the most value. But people don't say we want prestige. People say um, something about the product. Similarly, insurance customers, telecom customers would say the most important thing is the network because, you know, without the network, your phone is not very useful. But again, uh, people say we want product. But actually, oftentimes, it, they are not really aware of the real drivers to their attitudes and behaviors towards the brand. And like you asked about emotional signature, with that, we can find those emotional and subconscious drivers of, of their attitudes and behavior towards organizations. I think you are touching my emotions because you did. Uh, you shared two examples, one about an hospital. I am working in an hospital and therefore I really understand what you are saying. And that's what we are also trying to, to explain. And you mentioned a uh, charge card. That's American Express. It's quite clear because <laughs> I was working for a joint venture of American Express. And therefore, I really understand that the feeling of being member of American Express, the link to this uh brand it's extremely important for for customer and what you shared it was really also feedback that we got from customer directly that they wanted to give they didn't want to give back the car because of this member since and yes. uh, one guy moved from a corporate card into an individual card and he wanted also to have the member since that he had on the corporate card it was not possible but and for he, he was really struggling and this there were a lot of negative emotions involved until uh, we found a solution for him <laughs> and therefore it's Good. it Good. totally makes sense and i can can understand that yeah um, you see this member since it's, I, I i always thought like the first time we, we i saw that I, I i felt how powerful it is it's so simple but this is about the relationship you know for people is the proof of that relationship and they want to be recognized for for that relationship so it's really a question of other organizations how they can find a way to replicate replicate this. Let me actually give you an example. Um, you know, nowadays everyone is moving digital transformation and stuff like that. So just like last year, we were working with a company in Canada, uh, B2B, but also B2C company, and uh, with energy. And, um, and before, commercial customers used to order through the local office, okay? But then they move those order into a 1-800 central, central number. Um, and, and, and I was reading the comments of our survey and like one, one customer literally said, uh, it's not that those are 
that guy is a bad receptionist. Um, he just doesn't know our area. Like we have to repeatedly give instructions to the drivers. But that made me think. Um, and, and so people were like really unhappy with this. But it made me realize that what they had done is also take away that feeling of a relationship. So before you can imagine you are this owner um, uh, and, uh, and you go to order heating oil um, and, and um and you go to the office, you know the office guys, you chit-chat, they know you. Um, you have all this relationship, and now they've taken all that relationship away. You're calling a 1-800 number, and no one knows you. <laughs> no one knows anything, even how to send the, the instructions for rural, uh, to for the drivers of these trucks to go to some rural area in Canada. And suddenly, this whole relationship is is gone. So uh, and so I think essentially it's like organizations have to think now how can we use technology to create this feeling of a, of a relationship Thank you very much I think what what you're saying it, it totally makes sense and you're sharing a lot of great example and I'm sure the audience will will appreciate that but basically what you you shared at the beginning it's few companies are doing that in the right way you said only one that you saw in in, in your career where should companies start if they need to care about emotions? Mm, sure, that's a good question. So I think the, the first thing they need to to realize is is to is to start to to do research that gets to those unconscious drivers of behavior because uh, it, it, you know most of our behavior is driven by our unconscious and and, and emotions are typically functioning around there so try to find the real drivers of, of customer behavior taking emotions um, into account so that's that's one thing second it's, it's a very simple question but what is the experience you want to deliver to customers and how do you want your customers to feel now defining what emotions you want customers to feel and ideally that will be based on research because like well, what emotions make people buy um, uh, or what emotions are important at the purchasing experience versus at the retention or renewing renewing experience. Um, so defining those and then thinking, well, what can we do to, to evoke those on a consistent basis um, is very important. And then when you do that, then that takes you to, to the culture part, which is very important for if you don't want this to be driven by one or two people in the organization, you need the back office people and the front office to be working toward the, the, the same vision. So if you have a defined experience and define how you want customers to feel, then you can communicate and equip people with sort of the, the, the vision and the skills to think about, well, in their roles, how are they affecting customer experience and how are they working towards this same vision that you want to go towards customers feeling. Da, 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 da. So I think those yeah. are some practical things. And I think it, 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 um, it's really interesting, but basically most of the companies are doing surveys that are not related to emotion. Does it mean uh, they do, do they need to restructure their surveys or what's, what's your approach? Yeah, well, yeah, same thing. So we, we just recently were talking to some people and, you know, we mentioned about emotions and uh, we said, well, do you measure emotion? And they said, yes. So I was a little bit surprised. Like I said, there's only like a few companies. So I said, well, so you're telling me that you have 
you are measuring? Can you have data on to what extent people feel trust towards you, cared for, valued towards you? Oh, no, not that kind of data. <laughs> so I think maybe they say they do NPS or, or something, but like, okay, you do NPS, fine, good. But like, what are the drivers of NPS? And again, oftentimes, those, like we say, are emotional aspects. So do you know whether, you know, feeling appreciated or respected or listened to or understands uh, and and, and, and like what creates those emotions? So which aspects of your experience drive those emotions that in turn positive emotions affect value and negative emotions de- destroy value? So, and again, you don't need to do this every day, but, but, but you can. And, and interestingly, nowadays with machine learning and, and, and the developments in natural language processing, you can get voice of the customer data as long as it, it's like it, it really comes from the customer. And you can find uh, the emotional sentiment of what people are saying. And, and then when you combine this with operational data, you can find which operational instances create these emotions. And then you can get a predictive score, not just on the customers who have taken the survey, but on every customer. Because if you see like, oh, people have spoken to George and they have had this this problem resolution experience or they have had this or they walk into the, 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 the branch three times and ta, ta, ta. and then we can say, well, who else have done that same thing? And then you can essentially have a, a best guess on, on what are they likely to feel. And now if you know that, now you can take some strategies. Now, what can we do a nurturing campaign to save some customers and the ones that we see are happy? What can we do to upsell and, 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 and further develop that relationship with, with those customers? So we're now living in this, in this new world where you can do a lot with data as long as you know you have the right data uh, that, that really captures the real drivers of customer behavior. Thank you. And uh, I think to, to make it a bit more tangible also for, uh, for, for the audience, um, what should business do from a strategical point of view? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think from a strategical point, I, I've already mentioned something. So like first find the real drivers of, of customer behavior, define the experience you want to, to, to deliver and equip uh, the organization, the, the people with, with the skills to, to do that and to, to, to drive that vision for the experience, affect the customer experience. In my book, I talk about seven strategic principles to improve your aim, but I'll just mention these three things are, I think, good, good enough for, for now. But, but I think it's it's really interesting. You you are mentioning these uh, seven business practices for emotional connection. Yes. And I need to ask that you need to choose now between your children. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> uh, for on, on those seven on on those seven things, I think um, so. So culture is is very important. Um, uh, uh, but. Um, um, yeah, culture is very important, but I think it 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 needs to start with with this better understanding of the real drivers of, of customer behavior. So I think I would, I, if you if you know that, then a lot of things can happen on the back of that. And uh, based on your research, which were the most remarkable example that you had throughout your research? Because you did a lot of research to create this book. Which one stand out from your point of view? Sure. Well, I think I think um, um, 
I think uh, one of the best cases was from Maersk Line, um, you know, the largest container shipping company. So they they did they did a complete program and they did it in a very good way. So they have a lot of and and the best thing there they have a lot of smart people, Six Sigma, um, you know, doing logistics all the time, and they calculated that for every four point improvement in NPS. Uh, they are getting 1% more cargo shipped and their NPS increased by 40 percentage points over over 30 months. And again, we had done this research with them and they found that actually the the biggest driver of value for them was ease of problem resolution. Not so not so emotion, but actually that that was creating and driving a lot of positive or, or negative emotions. And they completely redesigned completely redesigned that um, uh, ease of problem resolution so that you know who, where is that sitting, who is accountable, uh, um, and, 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 and they invested a lot into that. Then they also defined the experience that they want to deliver. They said, it's interesting, they, they, they ship containers, not even people, but they say we want to stand for trust, cared for, valued, and that had some implications for the way they do business. Uh, because they recognize that they have this brand and they can charge premium prices, but with premium prices, you need to have a premium experience. And so they focus on these three emotions to, to make the, the, the transition between being transactional and focus on the transaction to actually focusing on the customer relationship um, and, and drive more value. So that was, that was a, a very good example. And we did uh, some podcasts with... Um, with um, We've done some webinars with the guy who was leading the program, the vice president, and and um, and a lady called Michelle Patterson, who was uh, actually the customer experience leader um, in charge. So, so that was, I think, that was a very successful program that that a lot of people can can learn. Thank you very much. And um, now we are coming to the end of this discussion. However, still some some questions. Um, Colin Shaw is always speaking about artificial intelligence. Uh, data and uh, customer behavior uh, or behavioral science in order to create uh, this customer science. And now uh, yes. with these emotions, we are creating and getting new data. Uh, what, what's, what's, what's your view? What will come out from this customer science? Yes, well, uh, this is really for me. I, I share that opinion. The the future to to competitive to um, the key to future competitiveness. So. Nowadays, yes, we, we have data, but you need to, to, to think, well, what data would really, uh, first, like, what problems are we going to solve with data? And how could we use data to improve the customer experience, nurture relationship, improve um, our sales ratio, um, and improve our retention uh, ratio, and, and so on. And with that data, you need data about the real drivers of, of, of customer behavior, right? So you have data. Uh, and they say data is gold of the new economy or the engine as long as you, you, can, you, you can analyze it. So that's where AI and machine learning comes. But again, I emphasize that you can create these algorithms, but unless you take emotions into account, well, you know, um, and actually there's some research that algorithms with and without emotions, those with emotions outperform um, significantly the, the others. Um, so this is where the algorithms comes. And then, okay, now you, you know some of the things about customer. Well, what do you do about the design of that experience? And this is where behavior science could come in uh, 
knowing the science about essentially customer behavior, you can design the experience, you can design certain nudges, you can frame things a, a certain way. And um, an interesting company that is kind of doing some of those things, um, I found when I was doing the research for my book, is a company called Simon or Simon, a Canadian startup. And essentially, they find uh, customers. Um, we, um, uh, so, so they work there B2B. So they work, let's say, with banks, with telecoms, and so on. And they find customers that, that have high probability of defecting on, on, their, uh, on their bills loans and so on. And they also found that, well, actually, if a customer defect on, um, on a loan, it's typically not just one loan, but they have a car loan, uh, a mortgage, a credit card, something. And what most organizations used to do is like defer payments, but that is essentially like kicking the can down the road and, and, and the, uh, the customer is thinking, oh, my problem is gone, but actually it just gets, gets bigger. So what this organization is doing is like, um, creating and understanding the profile of who is likely to defect before they do and start to implement some communications uh, and self-service and using nudges to nudge the customer behavior, to change their behavior a little bit, to, to, to change the plans of how they are making payments uh, before they have defected. And, and then they're using AI and natural language pre- processing to see, to see how the customer is responding to those nudges, to see the sentiment of what they say, how they say, and then further adapt, adapt their approach. And all this is doing through self-service, so alleviating things from the customer, from the customer service staff and the, the call center. And, and you can see it's a better experience. It's, it helps retention. It helps save costs. So I think that that is the, the future. More, more organizations should be thinking what can they do with, with data and, and, um, and how they can use it to create a better experience and being more proactive. Thank you very much. And I think you are speaking about the future and the future is now. We are now in 10 years time from now. Uh-huh. Uh, 2033, and we are discussing about about customer experience. What we are discussing about? Ah, <laughs> sure. Well, I think what we just described, we're discussing, um, we're discussing, yeah, I think really this intersection of AI and behavior, behavior science uh, and and data, um, and um, yeah, I really think so. So if you think about so I think like 10, 15 years ago, all the big organizations started to create these customer experience programs uh, we've worked with. Now they have internal people with actually a lot of people working on that customer experience and so on. But we still get some of those on the tail end, uh, smaller companies coming in and so on. Now the big organizations focus on creating these data data lakes um, and starting to experiment more with, with machine learning. And I, I have to say that most of them focus on automation and, and stuff like that. But I think still in 10 years' time, there will be a lot more stories and a lot more sort of success of what works, what, what doesn't work. I think if you think like, well, CRM, where CRM came in and, you know, thing didn't, the world didn't turn pink overnight and many, many projects fail. Then same with customer experience programs, with digital transformation. So I think it first needs to start with understanding of what are we really trying to do and understanding what really drives customer behavior and how to design those things using science. 
Uh, because again, in 10 years time, many of, of these machine learning projects and AI would have gone <laughs> wrong, don't deliver any returns, but this is where um, you need to, to have the, the right uh, knowledge and tool and, and, and vision to, to drive a success of, of that. Thank you very much, Zeko. Uh, we discussed about the big miss. Our organization overlooked the value of emotions. And now we are really coming to the end of the game. In the last three minutes of this game, three questions for you. The first one, is there a book that helped you during your career or during your life that you would like to suggest to the audience? Mm, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> I think you need to read a lot of books. But the, the last one um, that, that kind of like... Um, stood out for me i was reading it with with a lot of interest and almost like feel sorry that <laughs> it finished was this the defining moments by chip and dan heat um, i i love the the examples there uh, a lot so so that's that's definitely one thank you very much and what's the best way to contact you yeah well, people can find me on linkedin also twitter at beyond philosophy's website um yeah LinkedIn would be would be a good place to start. And where we can find your book? Oh, oh uh, big, uh, particularly uh, online retailers. So um, Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble. Uh, yeah, some of those big Thank retailers. Thank you very much. And the last question is uh, Zeko Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. Sure. Well, uh, maybe um, I already told you about the key to 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 uh, to um, um, our own relationship with our loved ones. So then, maybe I'll um, I'll finish with a Ogilvy uh, quote. I think it's very relevant. They say customers don't think how they feel. They don't say what they think, and they don't do what they say. So I think if you have that in mind in, in business and not take everything for, for, for granted from what, what customers say, um, I think uh, there's a lot of things you can do and, and achieve success. Thank you very much. And we conclude here the discussion. It was a great pleasure to the audience. Stop this podcast, post this podcast. Go buy Zecho's book because it's really a great book. A lot of insights. It's the other half of the cake that people are not often relating to. It's, it's all about emotions. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. We love feedback. Therefore, feel free to contact Zecho or myself and to have a nice discussion to continue the discussion. Thank you, Zecho. Sure. Thank you, Gregorio. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.